In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The procession into Jerusalem was not at all like the parades that we're used to in San Francisco. It wasn't like the Chinese New Year Parade, or the St. Patrick's Day Parade, or the Pride Parade, um, with floats and grand marshals and marching bands. Some have likened Jesus' entry into Jerusalem to be more like an inauguration or coronation, but I don't think that's right either. It was more like a protest march than a celebration. It was out of control. It was unauthorized, didn't have permits. It was spontaneous and maybe even a little bit rebellious. In 1649, Oliver Cromwell violently came to power in England when he executed King Charles I. But young Charles II escaped into exile into Europe. For 12 years, the people of England endured the bloody excesses of Cromwell's government, and finally they had had enough. On May 5th, 1660, Charles II returned from exile, arriving in Dover and accompanied by the masses in a triumphal procession all the way to London. The cry went up from all of the people all along the way, Habemus Rei, we have a king. And all classes of people shouted that. They were all welcoming this king back home. Their nightmare was over, and many believed that at that moment they had finally entered the golden age. Maybe Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was a bit like shouting, Habamus Rei. There was an overthrow of power maybe coming, a coup d'etat. No election had brought Jesus to this power. It was simply by popular acclaim. But this Messiah-to-be was not welcomed by everyone. Some stood on the sidelines knowing full well what the powers that be would say and do. And they would not join in by singing Hosanna. Who was in that crowd that day? Who was it that dared to say that a new king had come? Who had the audacity to challenge the empire and the temple authorities? Who was that mob that shouted Hosanna? The scriptures say it was the whole multitude of disciples and that they praised God joyfully. So who was this crowd? It was obviously more than just the 12 close apostles that we know so well. So let's just imagine who all was in it. Maybe it was um, partly the woman who was nearly stoned to death when she was caught in adultery and Jesus stopped the authorities just at the right moment. Maybe it was 
some or all of the thousands who had been fed on a hillside and listened as Jesus pronounced blessings upon the poor and the hungry and the oppressed. Maybe there were people that he had healed from leprosy or other diseases, or like Tabitha and Lazarus, who had actually been raised back to life after they had died. I imagine an interesting gathering of people, tax collectors, sinners, fishermen, widows, rich young rulers, Samaritans, Roman centurions, disciples of John the Baptist, and we could go on and on and on. So many people who had been touched by the life and compassion and healing presence and words of Jesus. They saw him in a new way. They saw Jesus as the Messiah whom the prophets had foretold. He was their hope, their promise, their joy. And they cried out with one voice, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Hosanna. Well, not all of them cried out. There were those Pharisees who remained skeptical. They didn't join in the procession, but they were watching. And they were the ones who said, Rabbi, tell your disciples to be quiet. The Pharisees oftentimes get a bad rap, but remember, they were faithful people too. They were the religious leaders, the teachers, the priests, the ones who studied the law and the prophets. They were not necessarily hostile to Jesus, but nor did they embrace him. They were the defenders of the faith, the protectors of the status quo, the keeper of the holy ways. And Jesus didn't have their credentials, their training, their establishment. So when people celebrated Jesus and proclaimed that God was doing a new thing through him, and when they shouted Hosanna, the Pharisees could not and would not join in their song of praise. Rabbi, tell your disciples to be quiet. So I imagine the response was something like this. Jesus looked down at the road on which he walked, saw the palm branches and the cloaks that the people had thrown on the ground before him as an act of devotion, and then maybe he saw beyond that all the rocks lying on the road. So he waved his arm at the rocks and said to the Pharisees, if the crowds were silent, the rocks themselves would shout. What he's saying is, you skeptics, you do not even yet understand what God is doing. You have wrapped God so tightly in your little box of tradition and rituals, laws and doctrines, that you wonder at this mob and you can't hear the praise in their voice and the devotion and the truth. One cannot quiet the crowd that comes to crown me king. The rocks will shout, and all of creation will rejoice, for God is here. Jesus tells the Pharisees that they are not hearing this song. He wants them to listen to the song that is filling the universe, and it's a song of praise. It's a song of rejoicing. 
The crowd on that day heard that song, and they began to sing along. But as always in our world, there is noise that somehow tries to drown out God's song and compete with a voice of praise and rejoicing. There are songs that we hear all the time in our lives that try to do that, right? The songs of fear and worry, hatred and war, anger and bitterness, frivolity and wastefulness, destruction and despair. And these songs are loud, but God's song of praise presses on, and in holy moments we hear it again and we're invited to sing along. And even though the gospel lesson today was the telling of the passion of Jesus Christ, it's okay to sing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And when Jesus offers up this wonderful and simple image of shouting stones and rejoicing rocks, it's a reminder that through all the noise that surrounds us, all the conflicting demands for our time and focus and our faith, there still comes one song, a song of praise that glorifies God in our midst. And God invites us to hear that song and sing it and live by it each and every day. I don't know if it's true, but there's a story about George Gershwin, who one day, while on the train from New York to Boston, was inspired to compose a big chunk of his Rhapsody in Blue. It was on that train, with its steely rhythms and clickety-clack sounds, bells and whistles, and all the other distractions that you can imagine on a train, that Gershwin was inspired and he heard the complete construction of that piece from beginning to end. And much later he said in an interview that he frequently heard music in the very heart of noise. So in the midst of this noisy world, of a noisy life, of a noisy place, the question is this, do you hear the music that God is inviting us to carry with us and to sing along to. The one who embodies God's love for us, who gave himself over to death for us through suffering and death, who rose again and gives his very life to us, comes to us today. God is in our midst. Rejoice, give thanks, hear that song of praise, and sing along the rocky roads of life, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen.